0: Hello and welcome into the Inside Nebraska Podcast. I am Senior Recruiting Analyst Greg Smith. I am joined by staff writer Steve Mark and also staff writer Jeff Ekstrom. Fellas, how are we doing on this uh, beautiful Wednesday that is supposed to warm up in Lincoln? I'm doing great.
1: I'm enjoying the warm weather before apparently the frigid temperatures enter the area. But um, yeah, that's, that's life in the Midwest. So, um, you know, we'll get our weather reports out of the way before <laughs> we can start talking spring football. And that that always
0: know, is how it goes.
2: I us say, yeah, it's about to turn back into the frozen tundra here this weekend. Let's say we'll go out, maybe take a walk later, enjoy the 64 degree weather. It's, it's good for it to finally be nice out.
0: Oh, I know if we're hitting 64, I know Steve is taking at least three walks today because he'll take his walks out there uh, when it's like 10. So I know. How many walks have you taken already, Steve? zero I've been,
1: I've been i've been i uh, neck deep in uh spree spring uh, pre-spring football position um, okay. previews so um none today but yeah i'm going to get i'm going to get a couple in later um better yeah. mark that down for sure but uh, <laughs> um yeah you are you are correct greg i am a fan of um walks in any um degree of weather at all if it's going to be 20 something tomorrow you're going to find me out there um, on my normal forty-five minute um, walking path that I have here around in in South Lincoln, and um, have my podcasts in, and uh, just you know getting some exercise in, no matter no matter what the elements.
0: Western Nebraska tough guy is that is that what I can could I call you? Do you classify? I don't know if West? I can claim you Western classify, Nebraska. You
1: classify? <laughs> Nebraska. isn't. I don't think uh, Western Nebraska. I got Northeast Nebraska blood in me. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll claim the Western Nebraska toughness if if you allow me.
0: Okay. Now, one of the things of the transition here, one of the things that we've heard about spring football, it's going to be for tough guys, right? As it's supposed to be a physical <laughs> spring um, under Matt Rule. I think Trev Alberts was the first person to kind of let that out of the bag. And it feels like weeks ago um, when he said that, because it wasn't his most recent um, sports nightly appearance. It's been a while since he said that um, the last time we spoke to Matt Rule, he was asked about it. And he said that, you know, within reason and within the rules, they will definitely be physical. So we are just a few days away from spring football kicking off. So we want Wanted to jump on We're gonna do a spring football preview because there's a lot to cover um, when it comes to this football team and you know you got year one the first um, spring uh, practice session for Matt Rule so there's a lot of intrigue so I want to kick it off here with you Steve I guess is going back to the offseason here what if anything stood out to you most about this offseason
1: so so something that stood out to me this offseason compared to previous ones um, since I've been uh, covering the Huskers is everybody seems to be on the same page and saying the right thing and pulling in the same direction. And it wasn't like that. Um, I mean, Greg, you know, it wasn't like that under Scott Frost. Um, there'd be sometimes position coaches saying one thing and and Scott Frost saying the other thing. There's there just seemed to be kind of not not as much of a plan, I guess. Um, and not everybody maybe on the same page I guess in front of the media at least Um, but um, for Rule what we know about him right now everybody from the top down from uh, Matt Rule to all the way down to uh, his assistants and even his uh, chief of staff Dr. Elza they're all saying the exact same things when they're in front of microphones and I just think that that's um what it's supposed to be it's a professional type atmosphere i think uh uh, uh, and matt rule is definitely kind of a ceo type um head coach now don't get me wrong he's gonna be he's gonna be right in there in the trenches coaching the offensive line the defensive line and and everything but um outside of the practice field is what i kind of mean when i when i say he's a ceo type guy um, this is his ship and he is running it and um, everybody underneath him is, is speaking the same thing. And, and I think that's pretty impressive because again, um, covering, covering Nebraska football under Scott Frost, I don't think it was like that much.
0: Yeah. Jeff, what, what if anything has stood out to you so far this off season?
2: Yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind, that's good about this staff is there hasn't been any off season drama. There really hasn't been anything. It's been, a boring but interesting offseason from the fact that we're getting to know all these new coaches and players. But there's nothing that's kind of thrown their uh, goals off target or anything like that. So I think just being able to have a smooth offseason has been good. Um, but also I something that stuck with me is the fact that we were able to see Garrett McGuire for the first time and just how young he was. It, that is a moment that's going to stick with me the entire offseason because I'm going to be honest, I couldn't really take him seriously, mostly because he just looks exactly like, who I am uh, at that age. so But it seems like he's getting the job done so, so far, connecting with his wide receivers, and that's going to be a group that we're going to keep an eye on. But I just think getting to see him for the first time and being like, whoa, there's a 24-year-old kid coaching wide receivers at the University of Nebraska, a little weird to get used to. I, I'm not going to doubt his coaching abilities because that has yet to be determined, but uh, that's something that kind of stuck with me uh, this offseason.
1: Jeff, uh, how old are you? You're, you're kind of like the young guy in this trio. How old are you?
2: Yeah, I'm 23. So, uh, hey. he's, a, he's, a, he's about like eight months older than me. That, that's it.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's that's, that's incredible. Uh, one thing I wanted to find, find out that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's it's incredible. And I am I have that is one of the things that just as we go through kind of this first year, like what happens with Garrett Maguire is like really like towards the top of the list for me of these things I'm really intrigued to see. Like, I don't it's a it's weird, like because I'm with you, Jeff. And I think most people would feel like this when you hear, because at that point he was still 23 um when he was announced. He had a birthday since then. Um is that hey, how are people going to take this guy seriously but then you kind of you see him talk and you're like okay like I kind of get it like you can kind of see what it is um that makes him so well thought of um and like I got have told both of you guys this kind of off pod like it's one of those things to me where it's either going to be he's the next Lincoln Riley or we, we, he's going to be gone in like a year like I really think that that's kind of there's a no in-between land um or no situation where I see him just being average like he's either going to flame out or be incredible um so that's just something that I just kind of have my eye on but sticking kind of my thing on this has been and it sticks with kind of the uh, assistant coach theme um it's kind of on the other side of that coach a coach that was just extremely impressive from the get-go that you kind of expected and I think it's really important is Tony White I think you could go all the way back to when we met Tony White for the first time and got to talk to him um he was extremely impressive a, a real football guy you could tell um just based on his last sports nightly comments too talking about he's ready to see the get see hear the pads popping out there. Um, His ability to be a, a known as a really good recruiter, but also a guy that can relate within the staff, which is going to be really important in trying to teach that 3-3-5 three, 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 five, three, three, five defense um, to the other members of the staff because that's something that I think goes way under the radar when you talk about these things. I don't think that there's an on-field assistant that he worked with previously at Syracuse. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see. Then you have to turn around and teach that to the players while also figuring out um, any new positions, which is something we'll probably Probably get to it at some point as well here, um, but it, 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 it's a lot on his shoulders. And I thought that he was extremely impressive the first time we saw him, and I think that's what'll stick. He just has future head coach written all over him.
1: Yeah, there's a couple future head coaches I think you can uh, make you make the ar- argument for um, on this staff. I, I could see, um, you know, Evan Cooper. I know he's still super young, but like down the road, down the road, I could see him maybe just you know looking like a potential head coach in waiting somewhere. Um, I, I'm just really kind of blown away. And I know Matt Rule is. And when you look at Matt Rule, he can see and identify talent on the field. But I, I think he's shown that he can do it off the field too. And we know how close Evan Cooper is to to Matt Rule. He's his right-hand man. So um, I, I'd throw Evan Cooper um, maybe, in that, maybe in that category of future head coach down the road too.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that it, it's so funny because as a guy, as young as he is, he's been with Rule forever, and like you said, his right-hand man, um, and I think that one of the, and just as a, a bonus one, just overall, the assistant coaches and how impressive they were just in general, like we could have named any number of those guys. I didn't know about Bob Wager and some of those other guys. Like it was, there were was some, um, Terrence Knighton was really good, EJ Barthel, like a lot of those guys are really good, and I think that they did something because they all went up there and spoke it took a lot of the fear I think that fans had over some of the lack of experience on the staff because you hear from those guys and you're like oh okay I kind of get it and it just kind of kept happening each week we went down there to do those assistant coach um, press conferences I felt like that was happening for the fan base so that it was just a really unique situation that how that all broke down. Now, one of the other things, too, guys, is that as, as we kind of shift over to overall storylines, um, looking forward here for spring football as we kind of preview things that are happening for Matt Rule's first spring practice uh, session. And I guess I want to start here with you, Steve, I guess for this portion. What position group are are you most excited to learn more about during spring football?
1: Yeah, so one that really kind of popped up in my head right away to learn about was Tony White's Rover. On on his three three five specific uh, defense, it's a really unique position, and obviously it's it's the fifth DB. Everybody just knows it's it's another name for the nickel pro, nickel basically that everybody runs in college football right now. But um, his version of it, if you if you do any research on the three three five, where it's come from, the Rocky Long um, history of it all. Um, at times that that guy is lining up in the middle of the field at safety depth so you have three safeties back there along with the two corners to get the five defensive backs and that's what Tony White um, used in his time as Syracuse's defensive coordinator a really unique player I'm going to get down in the weeds here with the orange football football fans here but Justin Barron was Tony White's rover at Syracuse the past two seasons he's really really good athlete six foot four 220 pounds he's a big bodied guy former receiver he started his college career at receiver um, didn't work out they tried it out on defense and Tony White saw something he identified like wow this big rangy athlete um, I can maybe see foresee a position for him and Tony White stuck him at the rover position and and Justin Barron is a guy who lined up all over the field. He lined up in the middle, middle of the field as that deep safety. He crept down to the second level and was acting like a pseudo middle linebacker. He even went on the line of scrimmage as kind of an edge outside linebacker. So it's, it's a really fun position for me to think about just as a, as a football guy I I love watching, watching and learning about football as much as possible. And when, and when I see Tony White's Rover out there at Syracuse, it just my imagination goes wild thinking about what kind, what Huskers, what current Huskers can um, transition into that, into that role. Um, obviously a lot of the nickels are probably going to get a good look. Isaac Gifford, um, Omar, Omar uh, Brown, Javon Wright, all those guys obviously are, are kind of um, ones, but I, I'm thinking maybe Miles Farmer, even if we want to move Miles Farmer, who's a, a really aggressive, hard hitting guy. I know a lot of people in the fan base are kind of torn on Miles Farmer and that's fine, um, but, um, I think if we move miles farmer, maybe closer to the line of scrimmage, he could maybe fill that Rover role and, and, and get another body in the tackle box and things like that. And, and kind of, um, make him not have so much pass responsibilities in the defensive backfield, but we can get into that later. I'm kind of rambling. Um, overall it's, it's that Rover position and, and, uh, Tony white, when I asked him in the spring, um, or asked him earlier this year, first time he talked to the media, um, I asked him what his plans are. And he said, he was up front and he said, we don't know what it's going to look like. Cause he doesn't obviously know what his current players can do. He wants to see him out on the, on the practice field and see how they move, see what they're good at. So it could be a version of his Rover at Syracuse where it was that bigger, bigger kind of safety guy at the, in the middle of the field. Or he said um, it could be that outside linebacker slash edge um, body that kind of lines up on the line of scrimmage. And, and at the second level, Um, as a a linebacker, a la MJ Sherman, maybe chief borders, maybe Um, there's just a lot of possibilities. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in learning more about that Rover role.
0: Yeah, I think that that's one of the ones that it is really interesting to me as well, because you just like you said there at the end is, you've got so many options. And I think that mm-hmm. that's one of the things of uh, the a good thing about what Nebraska has coming back on defense and what they've also brought in. There's a lot of back seven players to pick from, right? You've got to oh, yeah. settle um, quite a few roles there with a lot of different players, which is good for Tony white to have options. Um, but also it's going to be tough to figure out. Um, but Jeff, how about you? What position group do you have your eye on this spring?
2: What I think I'm going to label it as a, fascinating melting pot of experiences, personalities, that would be the tight end group. Uh, You got Bob Wager, obviously coming from Texas, high school coach his entire career, first time coaching at a power five level, let alone a college football level. Um, and he's going to be, he has a lot of talent at his disposal. You got Thomas Bedoni, top tight end class of 2020. He's been injury riddled throughout his career. He's looking to take that big step forward, but then you have Eric Gilbert um, transferred from Georgia. Obviously he's got that top prospect pedigree. Um, and the fact that he has that, NFL type talent at the tight end uh, position. And so you have those two guys throw a new coach who's trying to get accustomed to the college game. And it just, I'm interested to see what comes out of there because it could be anything from eh, just fine middle end results, or you have two difference makers right there that can totally alter an offense as you've seen nowadays, all these offensive corners getting the tight ends more involved in the offense. And I think Bob Wager and Marcus. Shadowfield have a really good opportunity to do that. So I'm fascinated to see what comes out of that, that tight end group.
0: Yeah, that's another good one because that you're right, you, the ceiling for that group. If you wanted to go through and kind of label like who's got the highest ceiling of a position group, like they're way up there, right? Like if you have two former number 1 recruits um in that position room, um and those guys can then turn around and realize that potential and have both kind of been kept from that for various reasons. Um then you have other guys that are fighting um for um playing time within that group as well. I think that that is a really good call. Um it could be fascinating. I'm going to stick with the offense. Uh, on mine as well. I I was debating between two. I think I'm going to save one of them for a question we have coming up here. Uh, But I'm going to go with wide receivers uh, for my group. And I think for a a similar reason to what Jeff was saying about tight ends, it's a fascinating mixture, (laughs) melting pot of talent. You know, when you have Marcus Washington um, returning, but then you also have guys kind of, and we'll see what kind of happens with Elante Brown, who may or may not be back at this point too. But then you have a couple of guys returning that could be quality starters for you and Isaiah Car- Garcia Castaneda who started off the season for Nebraska and had a touchdown in the season opener last year and then fell off the face of the earth and then you have Xavier Betts who also uh, was a productive player when he was you know playing football before he left the team as well so if you just list the, those core four guys plus you know you've got other guys coming in um like Kemp and those guys um as transfers like it's a really like I, the two deep for that group is going to be fascinating to see how that works so we were talking off the top uh, about Garrett McGuire and his kind of lack of experience and coming in. And he's got a lot of options himself to kind of come in and work through too. And I, it'll just be really interesting to me to see how that group all comes together and what this, what the offense prioritizes from those guys, because we don't know what the offense is going to look like. Are you going to need bigger guys that can block on the perimeter? Well, because it's going to be more of a rushing attack because there's talented running backs. And if Jeff Sims is the guy, he may run the ball a little bit, more if it's Casey Thompson do you want to be able to spread the ball around and throw more passes to those guys like there's just a lot there to kind of figure out but I, d- I definitely think there's a good amount of talent in that wide receiver room now I'm really interested to see how that goes this spring
1: yeah and uh Greg you, you bring up Billy Kemp he's my he's my transfer that I want to want to see the most so Billy Kemp uh has played a lot of football in the ACC as a Virginia Cavalier um, and I, I'm really, really excited out of everybody. I know there's a lot of interesting guys on defense. We got a Reed Gilbert, like Jeff mentioned in the tight end room. Um, but boy, Billy Kemp, I don't know if they're like, I don't want to like make guarantees or anything, yeah. but, uh, I sound like Matt Rule talking about Eric fields, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really, um, confident that Billy Kemp might lead the team in receptions, uh, yeah. for uh, 2023. I'm really really excited about his possibilities and his um his his ability to play and become different a different tool for Marcus Satterfield to use because when we're talking about um Nebraska's offense we don't know what the heck it's going to look like no, we can only go off of what Marcus Satterfield really says in interviews and during one interview he even went as far as to say um he wants to have it have it be a positionless offense and so, you know, when you look at past Marcus Satterfield offenses, I think back to um, last season at South Carolina when injuries and depth issues all over all over the Gamecocks roster on offense. He had tight ends playing running back, um, just your your traditional X receiver. Um, he had he had a former um, wide receiver. Um, taking snaps at the quarterback is kind of like a wildcat quarterback role. He got really, really creative. And I think that's something that Matt rule really appreciated and liked um, about Marcus Satterfield. Um, so when I think of Billy Kemp, um, you go and watch his tape from Virginia. He's a guy who primarily lined up as a slot and, and you get major Wandale Robinson vibes from, from Billy Kemp, five foot nine, around 180 pounds. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but in short areas, his quickness is off the charts. I mean, uh, there was there was a play where he lined up in the backfield as a running back um, at North Carolina, I believe it was, when he was fully healthy two seasons ago. He wasn't really healthy last year, which uh, really hurt his production, but he's healthy now. Um, but in that game against North Carolina, he just juked, juked maybe three or four tar heels out of their cleats and for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really impressive what what a healthy Billy Kemp is going to be able to do, playing in the slot, um, lining up as a uh, as a running back potentially, um, as as a um, traditional X receiver, lining up on the line of scrimmage, put him at the Z, put him in motion. There's a lot of different things that you can do with Billy Kemp, and I think Billy Kemp is is just I'm really really excited about him out of all the transfers, and I know that's saying something considering what Nebraska has on defense coming in, but um yeah Billy Kemp is my is my transfer to, to that I'm most excited about I guess
0: yeah what's fascinating about that is is I do I kind of agree with you that people I feel like people don't talk about him that much no I don't think
1: I want to like pull
0: my hair out <laughs> and it's funny because I just did it when talking about the wide receivers I didn't go to him first I went to Xavier Betts first because that's the guy that's top of mind um, to me because even though he's not technically a transfer but he's coming back to the program um, it's such a unique situation but yeah I think that I don't think that it's that far out on a limb to say that Kemp could lead them in receiving and I think that people I think that we're going to get to or through spring and people will be surprised at the production he had especially when healthy when he was at Virginia Uh, but Jeff who do you have for your transfer that you want To see the most this spring,
2: can I choose a freshman or are we just going exclusively for uh transfers?
0: Hey, it's your world, man. We're just living in it. You go, you pick so pick who you want. I'm going, it could be Tristan Alvano,
2: yeah. newcomer. I'm going Tristan Alvano, the kicker from side. I think he has a legit shot at the kicking job this year. And they, if the roster lines up well, and the practice is going to be competitive this fall. Field goals are going to be a big difference. And I think he could have the biggest impact of any transfer minus the quarterback situation. We'll talk about that later, but um, I mean, he could go off. He's one of the top kicker prospects in the country. I could really see him making a big difference. Um, That's who I'm keeping my eye on. I like to go with the little smaller positions there to see those guys. Yeah, that's fine,
0: and it's interesting because in, in of all of the players that you would want to early enroll, like Kicker is one that eh, it's okay if he doesn't. He won't be here uh, for spring football, so once he gets here in the summer, um, that'll be fine. He can catch up um, and get up to speed and get rolling there, but I like that pick because every time people ask me for like top recruits in this class, I always make sure to mention Tristan Alvano uh, because I think he's got the potential to be a four-year starter, and anytime that that's going to be um, someone that you if you think that the guy's going to be like that, he needs to be mentioned even if it's a kicker especially considering what we've seen in recent years from Nebraska when it comes to special teams right those close games um, and all of that Um, mine is is one that I feel like too that even though we today we're recording this on Wednesday he just put out a a little hype video for himself um, and I still feel like he gets forgotten about and that's defensive lineman um, Elijah Judy I feel like and I said this to you Steve after he put that video out I think that he's a guy uh, Judy if he is pretty good to good or very good, he can change the look of this defense. And what I mean by that is, is if Nebraska has another really quality defensive lineman, and that is going to be such a huge question mark, and we're going to talk about that a lot between now and the kickoff of the season, but if they can have another quality defensive lineman, that will go a long way to really helping out this defense Um, because, one, obviously you play in the Big Ten, you're going to have to be able to stop the run and hold up against that. Um, You're going to start the season seeing that right away um, in in Minnesota or at Minnesota uh, against P.J. Fleck and his squad, and so you're And then when you get later into the season, you're going to need to continue to have that depth up front. And if Judy can really be a guy that comes into his own, I think that he can have a huge impact for Nebraska because it then just lets you slot guys down a little bit to where you can have some additional depth come up behind him. Um, So I can't wait to see like kind of what his body looks like. Um, I know that he was, you know, 300 plus pounds when he came on that official visit. Um, I didn't know if that was all good weight. We're going to see like kind of, I'm curious to see like after um, Coach Campbell got a hold of him over winter conditioning, um, what he's kind of reshaped into in just that amount of time um, so he's a guy that I definitely have my eye on uh, as we look for it for those newcomers
1: yeah Judy is Judy is one that I myself find forgetting about just for some reason I shouldn't because he's going to be badly needed on the interior of that defensive line and you're right Greg I'm really going to be interested going to k- try to keep an eye on him um, if we get to see him during spring practices, just to see what he looks like. I mean, he's listed right now, which was good to see six foot three and that 300 pounds. I mean, I mean, you need big, big interior bodies and Nebraska needs all, all hands on deck over there on the interior line. And, and it was good to see Judy listed at 300s, but it's going to be really interesting to see um, what what he looks like physically out on the field there. But yeah, you have to like, um, obviously the talent that he came, came from with high school and in, in the high school ranks. Um, and then spent the past two seasons at Texas A&M. He didn't play a lot, but you had to think that he was going up against some other talented offensive linemen, you know, every day at practice. You like that. Um, now Texas A&M has had their kind of locker room issues in, in the past, so that hopefully that uh, doesn't carry over to Nebraska. It won't, obviously. But, um, yeah, he's Elijah Judy's one that I think is going to be very, very important because when you look at the interior line depth at Nebraska, you know, you have some you have some names, but none of them really pop off the page that and, and make you confident that the interior uh, of the defensive line is going to be strong at Nebraska. So um, if Lizer Judy can be a hit from the transfer portal, that's going to be huge.
0: Yeah, and not to mention he's from Philadelphia, and so that's a, that'll be another win out there um, as Nebraska continues to recruit the East Coast hard. Um, so as, as we kind of think through, too, uh, about this, and we're going into Matt Rule's first spring, I guess, Steve, what's going to be the camp position battle that you kind of watch out for? Because we've been, there's any number of position battles um, that are going to be really fascinating this spring.
1: Yeah, so I talked a lot about the rover position, obviously. Now that's, I'm looking at Isaac Gifford, looking at Javen Wright, Omar Brown who's able to carry a six foot 10, 320 pound small elephant on his back during winter conditioning drills. but in uh, Teddy Prohaska, sorry Teddy. Um, but um, I know he's I know he's watching listening to us right now. Um, so <laughs> um, but I'm not gonna talk about the rubber position anymore. I mean, we know that I like that spot, but how about running back? Running back really interests me. Um, hmm. Anthony Grant is back. Um, AJ Allen is back with a with a healed up collarbone. Um, Gabe Irvin Jr., if if you've been following him on social media, if you've been paying attention to anything about Gabe Irvin this offseason, that dude looks stacked. He is huge. He is putting in the work in the weight room. Um now obviously it's gonna have to transition to the to the practice field and impressing um EJ Barthel and and trying to get some carries that way. Uh, but you know. When I look at the running back room, I really like the potential of it. It's a three-headed monster, in my opinion. But um, it's just going to be um, what Marcus Satterfield wants out of that position, and and who can maybe impress the new first-year running backs coach EJ Barthel. Um, but man, I, I I just think Anthony Grant, he, you know, he had a heck of a start to the season, but I think he kind of trailed off once he started running running against some Big Ten defenses, and um, maybe maybe. I wrote I wrote about this with Anthony Anthony Grant over a, l- a little on the website inside Nebraska, but um, I think his patience, his running patience, needs to improve. Sometimes we saw him get the yeah. get the ball and and his his feet were just going like a million miles miles an hour, and he just wanted to run for a touchdown so quickly. And and we know he has that burst. We know Anthony Grant is has that zero to sixty, and it's like really really good. Um, but I I just think sometimes he ran into his offensive lineman just so, just so quickly right away, and he didn't just have that patience to allow blocks to develop the blocks that were there. Um, but, um, you know, every, obviously everybody has a little something to work with. Anthony Grant, maybe patience running the ball. Um, AJ AJ Allen, we only got to see four games of him, which sucks because I think he's, he's such a talented guy. He has that breakaway speed, maybe the best breakaway speed in the room outside of maybe like Ramir. Uh, Ramir Johnson um, and then Gabe Irvin has kind of grown into a very very physical six foot one I'd, I'd have to guess he's close to 230 pounds maybe just judging off of pictures and videos but um, that running back room has a little bit of everything and it kind of excites me and it's got to excite EJ Barthel and Marcus Siderfield.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. And that's one that definitely was top of mind for me um, a little bit too when we were thinking about this is that that group is really talented. And I think that if if, if they're going to be the type of running team that I just kind of think they can be um, in year one under rule, I think those running backs will have a big say in that. Um, and you've got some really good ones to pick from. Uh, but Jeff, what about you? Which uh, camp position battle do you have your eye on?
2: Actually go you know, with the linebackers. I is obviously Luke Reimer, Luke and Nick Henrich, they're returners, lean tacklers, they're everything you want in a linebacker. But with this change of defense and the three, three five bunch of different looks. I wonder where MJ Sherman and Chief Borders are gonna play into that. Cause obviously they're not they're not the guys they could be the guys that get the lot of tackles, but they're gonna be the ones you're gonna put on the edge play the outside because they're going to be fast, athletic, hard hitters. So I'm interested to see that blend where they can keep Henrich, um along with Reimer out, but also introducing Borders and MJ Sherman, those type of ultra-athletic guys that can go off the edge. I'm interested to see how Rob work kind of works with that group right there and kind of places everyone where they need to be because I think they have a lot of depth there if those all four of those guys stay healthy. And so I'm interested to see where all that shapes out coming out of spring ball.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's a good one, too, because, man, you feel good about your top two guys coming back. You're not sure about who else is behind them and and just specifically on the inside. But those outside guys, you mentioned kind of the two transfers, but then Blaze Gutterson and Jamari Butler, like you have a lot of of guys to work with for a couple of spots, but we don't know which body types they're going to want for those spots as well, which is kind of the big cloud hanging over like a lot of this stuff is that we just don't know, which actually leads me very well into my pick, which is the secondary which in, normally you would think when you look there and you say they've got a good amount of returning starters or guys with starting experience, um, especially those two guys on the outside Newsom and Hartzog. Um, and you have Miles Farmer coming back. I don't, Buford's not going to be ready uh, for the spring, but he'll get back acclimated and be in the mix probably before the season gets going. Um, and so Tommy Hill was also in the mix there too, and he got moved back to defensive back. So right there, that's what five right off the top of your head. And that's, you know, we've all already you know that they're playing that 335 so they're going to have five guys back there and that's before you get to a guy like Isaac Gifford as well so that, like big and that's without knowing who's going to kind of emerge in that group as well because it's not like they didn't bring anybody in in the offseason for that position too um, you got guys like Corey Collier that are just chomping at the bit uh, to get involved so what Evan Cooper is able to put together in that uh, back end and then the back five of those guys like that's going to be really interesting to me and kind of what we're hearing about if anybody has moved positions, like what type of body types are they looking for there? I think that goes back to Steve's question about the Rover, because that maybe will be the beginning of all of that. Like, what type of player do they even want there? And then they can kind of build out from there. Even though, if I had to guess, I might say that it's going to be a bigger guy just because you're playing in the Big Ten. And if you can find that unicorn that's a little bit bigger, but still has enough athleticism where you don't have to sub him out all the time, I think that's where you would <laughs> want to go in, in a. Perfect world in this conference. Um, but that'll be really interesting to see for me is, is the secondary um and how those position battles, all five of them break out, even though you've got some kind of stalwarts that haven't played a lot of football at Nebraska.
1: Yeah, and like Jeff mentioned, the inside linebacker room. So we know Luke Reimer. Um, just I, I think he's he's got potential to be really good if he if he has some um good play in front of him. Same thing with with Nick Henrik, who will be out this spring um with that injury, but um, also behind them, like you said, the depth, uh, Greg, this is like now or never, maybe for guys like makai Bayer or Randolph Kapai, who ha- we haven't really seen a lot of or heard a lot of really. They haven't even played special teams a lot. So it's those guys, um, Garrett Snodgrass is in there as well. I know he didn't play it down last year as he as he was nursing some injuries. So there's just a lot of question marks um, behind those two starters and Luke Reimer and Nick Henrick. And it kind of makes you wonder... If you know if the plan is for maybe a guy like Chief Borders to to be back there right next to Luke or MJ Sherman be right next the, uh, next to Luke too um, during spring, so it's just there's a lot of mis, uh, mixing and matching. Maybe that's going to be going on for for Nebraska's defense, especially at those two um, inside linebacker spots.
0: And now we'll switch over to some offensive storylines uh, for Marcus Satterfield and his crew over there. And I guess we cannot go very far without discussing quarterback because quarterback is always uh, a big topic all the time. So I guess the, the way that I kind of want to attack this is because we know that Casey Thompson will be at least, I guess, quote unquote, limited uh, this spring, even though he may get to get to the point to where he can do some throwing. So I'll, I'll phrase it this way uh, for you, Steve. How big of a lead can Jeff Sims get in this quarterback competition?
1: Yeah, so um obviously it, it's an advantage for Jeff Sims um to be out there competing um in these fi- in these 15 spring practices. Um you know and and obviously it's a huge advantage that he gets to throw during these and and show off his arm um to to Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield and and gain that kind of on-field connection um this spring with the receivers some of which um, will be new that that Casey Thompson won't get to do until he's able to fully throw. So there's all the, the, the door of opportunity is open for Jeff Sims. Um, but, you know, it's of my, it's my opinion that I don't think we're going to, we're going to um, find out a starting quarterback. I don't think rule is going to name a starting quarterback until, you know, before the first game of the season against uh, Minnesota. That's what I personally believe. I think that the starting quarterback position is going to be one, during scrimmages and not, um, just normal practices. I, I think Matt rule and Marcus Satterfield want to get a look at, get a really good look at these guys when live bullets are being, are being thrown around. Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of the best, I think, um, evaluation tool that that a coach can have when, when talking about quarterbacks is to see how they look um, during the real deal. Um, um so, you know, I think that Jeff Sims can, can gain a sizable advantage, but at the end of the day, I think at this stage of his career, Casey Thompson is at the point where he's basically like an assistant coach on the field already. Um, He's, he's, he's that 11th assistant coach on the field. I don't know if being able to be a full participant at uh, spring practices is that big of a, I guess, disadvantage for Casey Thompson. I think he can step into the competition in the fall and really show um, rule and Satterfield what he can do um, just because he's, he's an old veteran. He, he's played a lot of football in his career. I think, um, you know, obviously, like I said, Jeff Sims, he has all the, uh, um, you know, talent in the world. He has all the tools at six foot four, 220 pounds, massive arm, massive arm. Um, um, but, you know, there's also some things that he needs to get better at that I think Casey Thompson might be um better at which is reading coverages and um just again just maybe accuracy too I think Casey Thompson is a more accurate thrower um I think he might pick up the offense a little bit better than Jeff Sims who knows but um you know and I, I know Jeff Sims coming from Georgia Tech he threw a lot of interceptions but he was also tossed into the tossed into the fire right away as a true freshman so how much how much weight do you put in that I don't know um, both quarterbacks have injury issues as well. Um, we know, we know Casey Thompson got his butt kicked at times at Nebraska and in front of a shaky, um, uh, behind a shaky offensive line, but, um, you know, Jeff, Jeff Sims doesn't have a clean bill of health either. There's been a lot of issues there. He was away from the team, um, Georgia tech's team to end last season, just because he kind of called it quits and and focused on his rehab because he knew he was going to transfer. So there's a lot of injury issues with Nebraska's top two, um, quarterback candidates right now, but, um, you know, I, I, think, I think it's going to be good for Jeff Sims, and I think he can maybe take a few steps forward in the quarterback competition in the spring. But, boy, fall camp comes around, I wouldn't count out Casey Thompson at all.
0: Jeff, do you feel the same, or you think he's running – you think Sims is running away and hiding with this thing?
2: So, with it being a new offense, Marcus Hatfield bringing everything in, I think there's a substantial chance that he can put himself in the driver's seat come fall ball. Is it enough to just completely shut out Casey Thompson? No, because uh, Steve, like, you made some very good points. He's basically assistant coach. He knows what he's doing. Not There's not going to be a lot of stuff that Marcus Hatfield is bringing is what is going to confuse Casey Thompson or anything. But I think it is the most beneficial if Matt Rule makes this quarterback competition as open and make it seem as a no one has any – is in the driver's seat at all. Because what you don't want – is you want um, Casey Thompson to transfer to be in the spring ball thinking, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch up to get Jeff Sims. And then all of a sudden, you have a backup quarterback situation. That's a, that's okay. You have guys who have played there before, but having Casey Thompson or Jeff Sims as your backup is a lot more than the alternative. So I think what uh, he has a chance to jump out ahead uh, going into fall ball, but any, anything that Casey can come back from, no, I don't think he can jump that far ahead.
0: Yeah, and I and I honestly t- tend to feel the same way. I, I think that he's going to. I think that we're going to hear some really good things about Jeff Sims going through spring football, and then he's he's because he's partially a, because he's a guy that's going to make some really wild plays, and spring. you can just see it. We're gonna go if we go out there and get to see him throw. Um, we're gonna be like, whoa, that guy can really spin it, right? Like I can just see how it's gonna. You can see like he looks the part. It's going to be great. Um, but you're you have to remember, like you both kind of said. Casey Thompson will be able to close that gap, I think, in short order because of just not just the fact that he the part of the reason why he's like an 11 coach out there is because he studies so much film, right? Like, I'm sure that if you asked him right now, he already feels like he has a grasp on whatever they're going to be running um, come this spring. So that that'll make it interesting. But the one kind of X factor to me, and, and I've mentioned a couple of times during this pod that I think that they can be a really good rushing team this year. And so if part of that equation is the QB run game, then that lends itself probably to Jeff Sims having a a pretty good leg up um, because he's a much better runner, even though Casey Thompson showed himself capable of that last year. Um, He's just more natural at doing that. So if that's the case, I think that that's the thing that could really end up widening the gap. But on the flip side of that, Let's say that they really want to, like, they want to spread the ball around and they want to do a shorter, controlled passing game. Then Casey Thompson is your guy, even though he can throw deep balls as well. You, we saw that against you know Iowa and some other games, especially you know F it trades down there somewhere, um, we we know about that, but that would play itself into the hands of Casey Thompson. So I I think that even though Casey won't be a full participant, it is still going to be a really interesting quarterback battle. We have not once mentioned um, any of the actual backups that are competing in this as well. I know that we don't think that they're going to be in contention for the starting job, but it is also a really important spring for a couple of those guys. Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg, Like it's extremely important for them um, to make strides as quarterbacks this um, this spring uh, because in Harburg, Case like people are already talking about moving him to a different position. They want to know if he can play tight end. Logan Smothers, honestly, people are trying to get him to move into the slot. Um, and so we'll see. Like that, that to me will be kind of interesting to see what happens. What kind of talk do those guys um, have about those guys in particular? And then kind of down the road, Richie Torres, um, like what are they saying about him? I think the quarterback, um, is always interesting, but it is definitely interesting, um, this time around, uh, for Nebraska football heading into spring. Uh, but we'll see. I, I, again, I, I'm I'm predicting and sticking with it. We're going to hear some really good things about Jeff Sims this spring.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, if we we go out there and we we watch Jeff Sims in a practice setting, we're all going to be like, "That's a quarterback." Yeah. I mean, he just looks so physically impressive. There was a reason why a lot of people wanted him coming out of high school, um, in Florida. So it's just you know he, like I said before, he has all the tools. He has a massive arm. He's really really fast. He's a great athlete. Um, but there are just other, other things that quarterbacks need to do that. I think Casey Thompson has shown that he's a really good quarterback and he, he might not be the biggest, he might not be the fastest, but but Casey Thompson is a quarterback at heart. And, uh, um, you know, I just think he's going to be really tough to beat out even if he's not at full go during spring. But yeah, when you look at the backup situation here, I mean, first of all, like when, when, when everybody was talking about the RPO and Matt rule was hired and he, and he ran the RPO at Baylor. That's when that's when people I think we're maybe talking about like Logan Smothers being maybe a dark horse in this thing, yeah. just because he's he has experience doing it. If if you give Logan Smothers a one reading and, and let the guy go, I think he could be pretty good. I think he could be um, a guy that moves the ball if he if he's just has to worry about like you know reading one defender and then making a decision and, and that's that for the play. I think that's um, maybe Logan Smothers' bread and butter plus the athleticism that he has. We all know he can run. Uh, We all know that he can uh, run, run the triple option um, and just look good doing it. Um, But man, I I just don't know where he stands in this, in this uh, quarterback battle, but um, you know, like, like, like Matt rule says, I mean, there's not going to be any, any judgments made right now before the, before they get on the football field. So um, I'm just really curious to see where this all pans out. And yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the room right now. There's probably not going to be six scholarship guys um, at the start of, at the start of the season. So, um, maybe somebody moves on, maybe, maybe they don't, but, um, yeah, I mean, with Heinrich Harburg, we all saw the dunk. We all saw the, we all saw the freak athletics, athleticism that he has, um, coming from Carney Catholic. So that makes you wonder if he can maybe potentially help out in other areas of the offense. Is it a tight end? Is it a receiver? I don't know. Um, I don't even know if he wants to play anything else other than quarterback. I don't talk to Heinrich, so I don't know, but, um, you know it, it's it's fun to talk about quarterbacks um, and and really interesting to see where these backups um, kind of take this thing.
0: Now it's funny because we have talked about quarterbacks, we've talked about tight ends, wide receivers, and running backs, and we have not gotten to what is the most important thing for Nebraska's offense and maybe their team um, this year, and that's the offensive line. So is there anything that you guys could hear this this spring that would make you feel any differently or better about the offensive line? Or do you need to, as a lot of fans say, just see it when we get to the fall?
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe anything until I see it right? I mean, I'm not, I'm going to hear, we're going to hear all these awesome things about the offensive line, just about, I mean, which is the case with college football and the off seasons, everything is going to be um, you know everything is positive. Everybody's zero zero. Nobody's lost a game yet. And there's going to be stories that come out of spring practice about how the offensive line looks awesome, and Ben Scott's really taken over that center role, and the off and and the tackles on the edges are really hunkering down on on Nebraska's pass rushers. And then everybody's going to be like, well, is, are are the pass rushers really bad? And and does that mean the offensive line is just like kind of you know, not very good. They're just going against bad competition. All that's going to happen again, I'm sure, but I'm not going to trust any of it until I see what they look like against Minnesota. So, um, even, even if it's the uh, spring game, you know, we, we, we saw Garrett Nelson just absolutely eviscerate Nebraska's protection last spring game. And Garrett Nelson is a pretty good college edge rusher. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, there's going to be things said, um, Donovan Rallo is going to be He's going to be coach speaking to the moon about how everything is awesome. And, uh, you know, everybody's been cross-training every position just because, you know, you never know they're, during this season. They're working like, hard. Right, Donovan, they're working you, hard. Know. They're you might have to play someone somewhere else. We're all going to hear that. But until, you know, that game with the Gophers, I'm not going to, you know, believe any of it.
2: Yeah, the offensive line has scarred me to the to the point <laughs> that what Steve mentioned. I'm just not. I just don't care what they do in spring practice till we get a game. It's it just up to that point because obviously spring ball helps simulate live play, but until you're facing another team with a different uniform across from you, it, it's whatever. So uh, I'm, I'm not really putting much stock into anything that we hear about the offensive line, nothing until we see them take on the Gophers um, come the fall.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. Like, I just, I, I, and it's not even, it feels like it's a knock on the group or any, it's not a knock on the group or any of the guys or anything, like even like Donovan Riola, like none of that. Like it just is, I think it's going to be in one ear and out the other for almost everyone until you get to see that game against the Gophers because Steve is right. That that um Garrett Nelson performance in the spring game should have been kind of a, a warning sign uh, for what was happening or to come for this offensive line. And I do agree though, with with Donovan that they got better as the season went on. And I do think that we kind of gloss over the fact that they lost two starters, Teddy Peroska and Nuri Nueli. Um, and, and then those guys are coming back. Plus you add in a, a center. Like, and I'm not even going to build up the hype though. That's where I'm going to leave it right there. I do think that there's a chance that they'll continue to get better. We're, I'm just with you guys and most everybody else that I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, once whoever the next edge rusher guy is for Minnesota uh, comes calling in that, in that first game, I'm sure they have someone. Um now switching over to the defensive storylines here. There's a lot to, to cover over there as well as I want to kind of start broad with the defense um, because that, that, to me, Honestly, as, as much as I'm kind of an offensive guy, if you just think about how I like football and watch football, I like offense, but I'm actually more interested by Nebraska's defense uh, right now and kind of moving forward, especially with this 3-3-5 with Tony White and what kind of I think about him as a coach. So I guess, Steve, how much, though, of this 3-3-5 do you think is going to get installed this spring? Because that's a big piece of what's going to be happening moving forward.
1: Yeah, so Tony Tony White was asked that very question on his latest uh, Sports Nightly um, radio interview. And he said straight up as much as the players can handle. So he's not trying to, to filter anything. He's going to give it to the kids and see how much they they take and, and and go from there. So, and, and one thing that I thought was really cool that Tony White mentioned was, you know, when, when the kids aren't required to be in the building, they are still coming by popping their head in his office and ask, asking questions, wanting to watch extra film, um, trying to get a deeper knowledge of this, um, defense that they're going to be playing during this season so I thought that was really um, kind of cool to hear especially from Tony White um, who I really like listening um, talk football that guy is awesome and and um, you know he he brings um, kind of an energy to him a kind of a cool vibe to him and Greg you can talk about this a little bit more on the recruiting trail here he, he brings a little bit of a California feel to to the uh, the team's recruiting efforts so Um, yeah, I mean, what can they install right now? He's going to lay it all all on them and see how and see how well the players take it um, and kind of go from there. So and, you know, I was thinking about this, like, you know, trying to put myself in in Tony White's shoes, like, what would I try to do like non coach Steve here? Um, You know, I I would maybe do the same, just try to like, lay it all out, see how well the kids do it. And if it's bad right away, kind of hold back and and pair back and figure out what they could do um, well right now. And then if it's really good, just keep going. So um, yeah, it's just going to be really interesting to talk to Tony White during spring practices mm-hmm. and see and, and ask him those questions like, so it's it's the third practice. How's it going? It's the 10th practice. How 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 are they taking to it? Um, are they playing fast? Are they playing aggressive? Or are they um, looking like their uh, feet are stuck in mud and, and kind of playing slow? So uh, that's going to be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah, that that moment, um, or that you hope happens as early as possible, where you see a, a number of guys like not necessarily thinking as much, but flying around, and that's not going to happen right away. Obviously, they're learning a new defense. But I did, I agree with you. I do think that the note about guys peeking their head into the office and wanting to k- get better and wanting to learn was important. Um, but it also will be kind of key to see to figure out where they want to play the different athletes, because I think that something that I feel like this coaching staff has alluded to a little bit, but they have not flat outset it is that they I think that they feel that they've got more athletes on this team in general but also on this defense than they maybe thought that they had and I think that that will have an impact on how they can go ahead and about installing this defense but Jeff what do you think about that do you think that they can get a lot of this defense in and how can that set them up uh, going forward as you get into fall
2: I'm not entirely sure how much they can get in right now just because there's so many more moving parts so many new players at this point i think you just take what you can get i, I think if give you walk away with spring ball having installed i don't know 50 to 75% of what you think you can i think that should be goal accomplished so i it's a difficult task with what tony white and this the, this coaching staff is doing right now trying to get through spring ball trying to install everything and obviously that's what they're being paid for but i think I maybe mean, temper expectations in terms of the defense i would i would say around 50 to 75% of um of the defense that can get installed, I think they'd be on a good track. Cause I don't I don't expect them to get everything in there. I think that's unrealistic to expect them to get everything in there. And so they can get 50, 75%. I think you take that. It's just so it's so tough
0: because you gotta the first thing that I really need to know about to to really start to think about like, hey, how far in on this are you? Is how many guys are moving positions. That is one of the things that and and I feel like Tony White has talked about that. Matt Rule has definitely mentioned it a couple of times, um, in that they they've gotta figure out okay, we've got this set of chess pieces. Do we, where can we move them and how can we figure this out? The thing that we've talked about a couple of times with with that rover position, do we want a bigger guy or do we want like kind of a leaner, more athletic guy? Like all of that stuff matters for when you're trying to get guys to learn the defense because they need to be settled into a spot before they can really hit the ground running and take off. Like, I think that there's just a lot of ifs, thens in the situation, um, which is another reason why I think it's so fascinating to see like how that all comes together um and it'll be really really like tony white it definitely has his work cut out for him
1: question greg um so players changing positions who's mm-hmm. your top guy that you could see maybe moving to a different position jeff you can go after greg
0: man the guy that the guy that actually comes to mind first that I'm I'm just I'm, if we're just thinking about guys that are already on the team that I'm really curious to see if they stay where they were doing what they were. Someone we haven't seen a lot of, but you mentioned Steve, and that's Randolph Kapai. Um, Like, is he a guy that has played linebacker basically his entire college career? But when he was coming out of high school, could also maybe play safety. Can, is he going to be in the mix for that rover spot because? if we're talking about a little bit bigger guy, like he could be that type of player. Um, he's athletic enough to do something like that as well. Like I'm, I'm really fascinated with him and a guy that's just kind of been on ice uh, during his time as a Husker. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Randolph Kapai on that one.
2: Jeff. Gosh, I'm trying to look through and just seeing if there's any, anyone. If you, wanna, you want started. another
1: second to, to, to think I'll, I'll say mine. Go yes, you go ahead. Maybe. Okay. Justin Evans Jenkins. So when I think about Justin Evans Jenkins, he's a little short at six foot one, but he's a little under 300 pounds at 290 pounds he's listed at. And so he he plays center. Now, when I think about center depth for 2023, I'm thinking Ben Scott, probably, even though Donovan Rowell is being a good coach and he's not calling him <laughs> a center, but I'm going to go ahead and say Ben Scott, the transfer from Arizona state is going to, I'm going to pencil that in. Okay, Um, great. Um, So um, after after Ben Scott, you know, when we uh, were doing walking around pregame and and trying to look and get a feel for the teams during the season, I would always kind of look at the the quarterbacks and the centers and who was going where. And um, the center position was always Ethan Piper was the backup um, behind Trent Hickson. And I think that would maybe stick stick as the same. I, I really like Ethan Piper's maybe versatility as like a guard or center. So I think center could be like Ethan Piper's backup spot. But then behind Piper, who you do, who you going? That that could maybe be like Turner Corker, if he has to, and then you start getting to the Justin Evans Jenkins. And then I look in the 2023 class. So we have Sam Sledge coming. Um, Sam Sledge, I think, is like a future multi year big 10 starter at center, right? I mean that guy just screams center when you look at him. Totally. So when I when I see um Justin Evans Jenkins and I try to um see a path for playing time for him at center, I don't really see it clearly. But if Nebraska's interior D-line needs another body back there, another depth piece um that to maybe throw out uh, a couple times a game um in the future, I think Jeff Justin Evans Jenkins might be one of those one of those guys who just kind of uh, switches over to the defensive line. And obviously, Jason Machachok, the, the true freshman who won't be here during the spring, but during the season, he originally came as an offensive guard. The coaching staff convinced him to try defensive line. And and I've talked to Jason about it. He's, he's really excited about um, starting out as an interior defensive lineman um, now. But um, yeah, maybe Justin Evans Jenkins um, for uh, maybe switching over to the offensive line, defensive line to, as kind of like a minor position switch.
0: I like that. That's a that's a really good deep call, and he's got a wrestler background, so you got some yeah, leverage exactly. things going on there. um you, I like when that. you're when you're talking it. about trench warfare, Greg. You want <laughs> you want the wrestlers there,
1: right? I mean, yeah. that's why just uh, uh, Justin Jason Machauchok from South Dakota. That's why I'm really high on him because um he's just an athlete. I mean, he's big. Uh, I don't think he wrestled, but. Uh, um. yeah he's just yeah you know you know it's, it's these guys that you want the tough guys at the at the line of scrimmage the trenches and wrestlers I mean obviously they make the best football players in my opinion so put those guys at the line of scrimmage where they go
2: to um, combat every single play Jeff who do you got I, I think I got mine I'm gonna go with who we mentioned earlier Heinrich Harburg quarterback um i'm interested to see what they do obviously they mentioned that it was coach rule Matt rule he mentioned that uh, they were testing harvard was testing really well in terms of speed and athleticism we saw the dunking video that went viral on twitter so i'm interested to see if they try him out because i don't even think he cracks top three quarterback depth on the depth chart um i just think he's Maybe probably too much of a project at this point that he's just going to be stuck all the way down there in the quarterback room. So I think if they want to try him out at tight end, could he become the next version of Chancellor Brewington, where they just put him out on field goals or whatnot, or on near the, the goal line, just say, hey, you're just going to run down the line and you're going to smack somebody in the mouth. So I, I'm interested to see if they're going to turn him into some rule hybrid role like that. So. Um, put me down to see if we can get some harbor chaos uh, here in the in the spring.
0: That I feel like there is there is going to be somebody like that, and I think that even though it's been talked about a little bit with Harburg, somebody is a little bit off the radar that we're not thinking about that you're just like oh that's kind of a big change like quarterback to tight end as much as it's talked about that's a big change like I would be really curious some I just I just know it I just feel like like somebody is going to end up uh, making a big position switch like that and that would get that would get a lot of attention uh, moving forward as well um, going forward for this team
1: if we want to get into even more in the weeds. So remember when Marcus Satterfield started talking about the fullback position yeah. and how Hell he wants to use the fullback here, um, throwing a little red meat to the fan base, which is fine. I think Marcus Satterfield knew, he knew what he was doing when he was saying that. Um, but Braden Clover. So I I remember calling up a walk-on um, when, and who, who decided to transfer to Nebraska with the sole um, idea of, playing fullback for, for Nebraska. And he's on the, he's on the team right now. But when I was looking down the roster and I I started looking at some of these walk-ons that might have like fullback bodies, Braden Clover was one. He's from uh, Wymore, Nebraska. He's a former Southern Raider, eight man, eight man, all-star guy. Um, He's, he's been at uh, edge um, recently. But I recently looked up his Twitter profile, and it currently says fullback on there. Uh-oh. And he's he's a he's a guy. He was a candidate who I wrote in my fullback story as as maybe a potential one to to maybe uh, shift over um, to the offense and, and be a fullback body. Cause they just need bolt. Uh, they need body yeah, guys. Fullback. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Braden Clover is six foot two, 225 pounds. Um, if you know anything about him at the high school ranks, at, um, at Southern, he was a do everything, um, guy back there, he carried the ball a lot. So he has, um, familiarity ca- uh, carrying the football, um so you know that's just kind of like an eight-man eight-man uh shout out uh clover at at fullback at at nebraska i'm not saying he's going to start or anything because we don't even know what the fullback position is going to entail could just be an h-back right they're just going to stick nate borkutcher back there and call him the fullback i bet (laughs) that's probably likely what it's actually
0: about to say that would not be a bad way to go (laughs) exactly
1: i mean yeah it's just going to be a h-back basically and and, uh uh, nate borkutcher might be like my top pick for that but uh um, yeah, Brandon Clover, shout out Southern Southern Raiders.
0: <laughs> shout out to the Southern Raiders. Now, was one thing <laughs> I wanted to get to to, to finish up our defensive storylines. Um, here is on the on the defense, and I think that the, I could be completely wrong. I find this interesting. We'll see what you guys think on that defensive um, assistant staff. Which assistant has his work cut out for him most this spring football? Steve, on the defensive side. Yep.
1: I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be Rob Dvorak, okay. And it's because of like we've already talked about the depth behind his perceived starters. So Luke Reimer, obviously he's going through spring. You like you like everything about Luke. He's got that sideline to sideline speed. Um if he has good blocking in front of him, I think he can be really, really good. Like we saw in 2021. I think Luke was really, really good in 2021, but and maybe take it took a step back last season but he didn't really have that great of play in front of him with the defensive line um right next to him nick henrich i think nick henrich is a is a really good complement to luke reimer's speed sideline sideline speed he's more of a north south dumper in the a-, a-, a and b gaps um but he's not going to be out there this spring so who else are you are you looking at and i think that's really a really interesting dynamic for a first year power five um, position coach and Rob um to to try to figure out out of everybody on this assistant uh, staff, Rob is the one that we just, nobody really talks about a lot. Um, and that, and that just m- might be the case with inside linebackers coaches in general. Um, maybe it was like that with Barrett Rood at the last staff. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I'm going with Rob Um I think he's got a lot of questions behind his two perceived starters. Um, and, and like we talked about, maybe Chief Borders enters the equation. Maybe MJ Sherman enters the equation. Um, but but yeah, the depth behind the two perceived starters is is something uh, a little bit scary
2: for the inside linebackers.
0: Jeff, yeah, what about you?
2: I'm going with Terrence Knight in the defensive line. I think they got a few good pieces. Obviously, Ty Robinson coming back, but I'm waiting for nebraska to really develop difference making defensive tackle they really haven't had one in years and i mean the davis twins were pretty they were pretty decent players during the uh, under frost but i mean i don't think ty robinson has lived up to his billing as a top 100 guy um i think he needs to take that next step um and so i'm interested to see what terrence knight can do with all the nfl experience he brings what can he get out of these guys he has decent depth ty Robinson. Steven Wynn Jr., Nash Huttmacher. I'm interested to see how he can develop over the offseason under a new coach. So there's pieces there. Lies Judy, a transfer that we mentioned before. So the pieces are there to have a good defense or at least a decent defensive line. It's just that how can Terrence Knight develop those guys and create good depth that if Ty Robinson needs play off, they can throw Nash Hutmacher in there and he can still provide some impactful plays. So where can the depth and skill be developed at that position is what I'm looking at.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going to – the two guys that you guys mentioned were the two that that were on my mind. I'm going to break the tie inside with Jeff. Um, This one, um, because I just think that 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 defensive line depth and how – I think that there's a chance. We come out of spring and we actually feel a little bit better about the defensive line, even though it could be like the offensive line where you're just going to want to have to see it uh, once you get there, even though I think there's a couple more pieces there that maybe you would feel a little bit more confident on that defensive line. I think that Terrence Knighton's stock as a coach – could rise really, really fast if he if he makes them a serviceable kind of middle of the pack unit uh for this season upcoming, I I think that his stock will rise um quite a bit. Um but as far as um Steve's point real quick on the linebackers, like I do think one name that I think we need to could like put 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 out there um and people kind of stick it in the back pocket is Grant Taggy. I think that he's a guy that's going to have something to say about what happens at that inside linebacker group, not necessarily to start, um, but I think that he can be a rotational guy. um, And given the health situation with some of those top linebackers, I think that you end up seeing him um, at some point this year, um, and I think that he's a guy that I that I've had my eye on since he walked on from what Omaha West Side a, a couple of years ago. Um, now I want to get us out of here on this one, as we we've talked a lot about spring football, obviously with the spring football preview, offensive defensive storylines, kind of overall. Uh, but the final question is this for you guys: What is one thing, if there was one thing that you could see this spring to get a better handle on what you think your one under Matt Rule will look like? What would it be? So I think,
1: um, this is an interesting question, but I I've, I've been impressed with Matt rule when he's talking with local media about not being, he's very, very careful about saying anything that would lead to expectations during the season. Now he's not talking about wins and he's not talking about losses. And I think that's, um, you know, a shift from, you know, the big 10 is going to have to change for us, um, that <laughs> that, uh, Scott Frost came in with, but, um, you know, I think it's really good of rule to maybe, I don't think he's like tempering expectations, but maybe just making people aware that like, yeah, it might not go well here. Um, Cause we're, we have a process and maybe that process doesn't mean wins right away. Cause we saw that again with, with a uh, temple. And we saw that at Baylor where they weren't setting the world on fire. The first season, their rule wasn't, but um, you know, if they had that process that gets it to, you know, if they're in year three, then things really start hitting off. So the thing that I'm I'm going to point at is if Matt Rule starts talking about what he believes this team can accomplish once once the beginning of the season gets closer, because um, he's not doing it right now. But once once Minnesota gets closer and I'm going to be really listening to see if he he truly believes it, so, believes that something is going to happen once he gets you know those 15 spring practices under his belt those fall practices and he gets to really see these guys in action i bet matt rule is going to start talking more openly about what he believes this team can accomplish so that's cool that's what i'm going to be um looking for
2: and i think for me i want to see the transfers and the new guys come in and become leaders because i I think what's vastly important and rebuild specifically is obviously with the transportal thing, you get in transfers, rent and rise, you can bridge that gap to the top recruits uh, Nebraska is getting. Can those guys come in and just establish and help spread the culture rule is building and then be like, Hey, I'm going to set this up. So when these freshmen are now open-classmen, this can be all set. So I think if you got, have guys like Billy Camp, Josh, Fleets, Elijah, Judy, just those transfers come in, make an impact and establish leadership right away. I think that's a good sign um, in terms of building towards the culture that Matt Rule and the staff really want, because obviously that's a huge part of the process.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the buy-in from the team is just going to be such a big deal. And I think that that goes, I'm, I'm with you completely on the transfers, but also for those guys that are returning, because it's not, when you're in this type of a situation, it's not those guys that are returning that are maybe going to reap the benefits um, of what this thing could be. If it really does take off as it has historically under rule, it's going to be those that next wave of guys. Um, but I have something kind of similar to that, but not, I want to see if this talk about a physical spring actually carries through. I I think it's very very important for nebraska to actually get to having an identity of being a tough physical football team and some of those high, like hype videos that we've seen put out from kind of you know competition week and all that stuff they break down talking about wanting to be tough and all of that like i i like that i think that that's a good first step the first step is to try to get to achieve something is to say it out loud so i'm totally on board with that i think that they need to be able to continue to actually practice that way and have that physicality so that when you go out to minnesota there's no more getting punked at the line of scrimmage you're not getting pushed around by teams like that you're actually delivering some of those blows and I think that when because I ultimately think when Nebraska gets back to doing that I think that that's when they'll be really on the right path and I think the first step of that is actually having a physical spring as Matt Rule and Trev Alberts have both said that they want to be able to have Um, so I'm really looking forward to that that would if seeing that actually come to fruition would make me feel better about what year one is going to look like.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, owning the line of scrimmage is something that Matt Rule has talked about, and Trev Alberts has talked about wanting to get like back that. to. Yeah. Welcome to the Big Ten. Welcome to to Nebraska, Matt Rule. You get to open up with Minnesota, a program that does a pretty good job of owning the line of scrimmage and and having the idea that and mindset that they want to own the line of scrimmage. So welcome to the Big Ten, Matt Rule.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And before we can get to that in August, we've got spring practice getting kicked off here in a few days. Uh, March 20th will be the first day of spring practice. 15 practices culminating in the spring game, uh, what, April 22nd, uh, moving forward here. So make sure you guys uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel here at Inside Nebraska. Uh, Like the video, tell a friend, and also make sure you get those videos directly into your feed. Also check out Inside uh, Nebraska, Nebraska nebraska.rivals.com. We'll have plenty of comprehensive coverage um, of both the team, on the field and all things going on with recruiting because we even get to that because there are a ton of recruiting things uh to get to uh with that big march 25th visit weekend i can't have a nebraska podcast without saying the uh name dylan rayola so there it is dylan rayola Um, and we will catch you guys next time